Hi, and welcome to Soul Powerful Parables, stories of rhyme, reason, and God's truth. I'm your host, Dana Buck. Thanks for listening. And if you like the story, please consider subscribing and give us a five-star rating where you enjoy your podcasts. It really helps us. We'd also love to hear from you, so contact us on Facebook at Soul Powerful Parables. Now, settle in, and let's have a story. The Buckeye and the Wolverine, a So Powerful Parable by Dana Buck. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Luke 10, verse 36 through 37. This story is a retelling of the parable of the Good Samaritan. In a way, you probably never heard it before. The Buckeye and the Wolverine, a so powerful parable by Dana Buck. A note, to fully appreciate this story, it's important to know the most vehement, intense, and bitter rivalry in all of college football is that between the University of Michigan Wolverines and the Buckeyes of Ohio State. The interstate spreads out before the newly rising sun, casting fading shadows on a morning just begun. The highway, like a ribbon, stretches to a vast horizon, passing mounded golden hills once holding herds of bison. Across this rural landscape and along the asphalt trail, A single car taps out the miles like fingertips on braille. The driver chews a bagel as he travels on alone and carefully sips coffee from a cup of styrofoam. No passengers ride with him in the front seat or the back. There simply isn't room. This car is just too fully packed. His journey is a one-way trip, the inn nine states away. Destination, California and that city by the bay. Last week was graduation, higher learning's grand procession. Armed with his diploma and a car full of possessions, he bid his dorm a fond farewell, now barren dead as disco, and exited Columbus for a job in San Francisco. His loyalties go with him, you can see how deep they are, by the scads of red distinctive O's both on and in his car. They are fastened to his bumper on the windows, nothing's clearer. Inside, they're on his t-shirt, keychain, and his rearview mirror. And resting on the dashboard, dual icons to inspire. A bobblehead of Woody Hayes, right next to Urban Meyer. For this young man's a Buckeye, proud and certain of his fate. A lifelong, rabid, loyal product of Ohio State. He counts himself so lucky that he hails from OSU and not somewhere up north where they adore their maize and blue. That other university is ranked through his conclusion as an overpriced, inferior, and lesser institution. If he were king or president, he'd quickly draft the order, 
Give Michigan to Canada, we'll gladly move the border. From Muskegon to Detroit, Whitefish Point to Kalamazoo, he wouldn't trade it all for half an hour at OSU. All this he carries with him as he gnaws his bagel toast and drives his bright red Chevrolet unswerving towards the coast. Rolling up the miles as he traverses ever west, he spies a car just up ahead in some kind of distress. It's angled off the roadway, both the trunk and hood are raised. Beside the car, a girl seems both disquieted and dazed. Driving onto gravel, he abruptly closes the distance, then parks to check and see if he can render some assistance. I just don't know what happened, said the girl, her eyes aflutter. My car let out an awful noise and then began to shudder. I'm stuck halfway to nowhere. What I'll do, I've no conception. I'm clueless about engines and I have no cell reception. Her bottom lip was pouty and her voice so like a child. I'm frightened in this backcountry, so desolate and wild. Her looks could soften granite and she began to twirl her hair. I prayed and prayed that someone would redeem this maiden fair. Then batting verdant lashes in a manner most disarming, she cooed, and here you are, my off-the-beaten-path Prince Charming. Our Buckeye was entranced and very nearly overcome by this quite enchanting vision standing in the prairie sun. He stifled his amazement as her beauty set the hook, and stammered as he told her, I'll be glad to take a look. My hero, she exclaimed, and then quite boldly took his arm. They ambled toward the open hood. His face grew red and warm. Then reaching the compartment where the idle engine waited, he proceeded unaware. A vile trap was set and baited. Bending at the waist, I'll find the trouble, he did trill, her voice grew low and ominous. You bet your life you will. Then bursting from the bushes by the car that he was fixing, three men rushed at the Buckeye just like linebackers all blitzing. Surprised and near defenseless, he was rocked by body blows as slugs and kicks and punches avalanche like driven snow. They pummeled and they pounded these three iron-fisted toughs until they heard the girls say, Knock it off, he's had enough. Then grabbing both his arms, they elevate him to his knees. The girl cries, check his pockets for his wallet, phone, and keys. They rummaged through his blue jeans, taking everything they found, then unrestrained his arms and let him crumple to the ground. Laughingly, they left him. What a bonehead, what a punk, as they closed the hood compartment and then also slammed the trunk. The men got in their car. The girl said, quick, be on your way. I'll meet you three in town. I'm going to drive the Chevrolet. As the girl got in the Chevy and the other car sped off, the Buckeye managed to sit up to clear his throat and cough. Don't leave me by myself, he croaked. Don't leave me here alone. You've got my wallet, phone, and car, and everything I own. Okay, she said quite mockingly. Here's friends to share your limbo. She then tossed Woody Hayes and Urban Meyer out the window. As the bobble-headed icons came to rest between his feet, the Chevrolet sped off, 
and his misfortune was complete. Submerged in disbelief, so vile and ruthlessly attacked, he's sure his nose is broken and a rib or two are cracked. Both his eyes are blackened, tongue on tooth, he feels a chip, his t-shirt's torn and bloody from a lacerated lip. Looking to his left and then surveying to his right, from horizon to horizon, not a vehicle's in sight. Like a dream that unfolds badly, like a mean and cruel jest, he adopts his only option, turns and staggers to the west. The pain is radiating from his face and neck and knees as the sun grows ever hotter and there's not a hint of breeze. For over half an hour, he lifts his painful feet of lead, alone save for the crows and buzzards circling overhead. Just as his strength is waning and his stamina's on E, he hears a rumbling motor, rusty brakes begin to squeal. He turns to look behind him and his joys like a barrage as a dusty Winnebago there appears like a mirage. A woman cranks her window. Stop the Winnie right here, Pa. They both wear caps of red. They're Razorbacks from Arkansas. Are you all right there, Sonny? Oh, my Lord, you look a sight. What happened to you, boy? You must have surely lost that fight. The Buckeye tries to tell her what those bushwhackers had done, but his speech is slurred and garbled from his swollen lips and tongue. Her look moves from concern to one of keen anxiety as the wounded Buckeye staggers toward the idling RV. You better hit it, Pa! Her hands flew up like twin propellers. That boy is likely one of those flesh-eating zombie fellers. The more he tries to hurry, the more panicky she gets as she hollers at her husband like a banshee with Tourette's. Her husband hits the gas as he is loudly nagged and bossed, enveloping our Buckeye in a cloud of black exhaust. The last thing that the Buckeye sees through rank and vaporous mire is the logo of a Razorback adorning their spare tire. Discouraged and rejected by the folks from Fayetteville, he resumes his painful walking toward the distant western hills. He hadn't gone too far when he beheld, to his relief, a car was coming towards him in the far lane heading east. A sleek Italian sports car rolled up on him ever slower, and he hears Beyonce booming as the window starts to lower. Behind designer glasses, the impassive driver eyed him, while his passenger, distracted, did her makeup there beside him. The couple and the car are quintessential Hollywood, sporting USC alumni plates beneath the gleaming hood. The man slid down his glasses to the far tip of his nose while the woman did her best to strike an interested pose. Whoa, friend, you look just awful, wincingly the man confides. The Buckeye tries to speak. His only clear-cut word is ride. Eh, we've only got two seats, the man says, shrugging narrow shoulders. He then takes out his cell phone and reaches for the beverage holder. No signal, says the man, his phone appended to his ear. We'll drive, then make a call and send the state patrol back here. Should be just an hour or two. Well, well three or four at most. His passenger cried, can't we go? It's hot. I'm like to roast. 
in a second, baby, and she rolled mascarid eyes. Hang in there, pal, he said. You'll be okay once help arrives. Till then, here's some refreshment, said the driver from L.A., and he handed him a bottle of half-finished Perrier. As they jetted down the highway, the last thing they carried back was the woman shouting, Hey, I wasn't finished drinking that. Downing all the Perrier in three gigantic swallows, the Buckeye stands in wonder at the cavalcade that follows. For over the next hour, cars and trucks in great array paused to have a look, but all continued on their way. And adding to his torment, every auto that he sees featured decals of the driver's favorite universities. Texas A&M, Wisconsin, Dartmouth, Alabama, Stanford, Baylor, Oklahoma, Duke, and Indiana. Georgia Tech, Northwestern, Colorado, LSU, Golden Bears of Cal, and Boilermakers of Purdue. Ignored by Beavers, Gators, Tigers, Gophers, Volunteers, Rebels, Bruins, Hawkeyes, Cornhuskers, and Mountaineers. He thought that he'd been saved when came a car from Notre Dame, but they just crossed themselves and then drove back the way they came. The Buckeye was so done you could have felled him with a feather. His hope was siphoned dry, his heart like tanned and beaten leather. He'd lost all faith and good opinion of his fellow man and felt so God-forsaken in this God-forsaken land. As painful were his wounds, they couldn't match his wounded heart. So he sat down in the dirt and let dejection have its part. Just as he had surrendered to the destiny consigned him, he hears the sound of air brakes decompressing just behind him. The Buckeye doesn't move. He doesn't even turn his head. Maybe this is all a dream and he's already dead. But the sound of heavy boots repudiated that surmise as the shadow of a figure falls across his face and eyes. Let's get you to my truck, a sympathetic voice pronounces. The Buckeye's final strength is measured now in fleeting ounces. Somehow he's gathered to his feet. He struggles not to cave, then feels an arm around him and can smell some aftershave. Now seated on a running board and shaded by the trailer, it feels like leaving prison with indifference as the jailer. The trucker busies as he pulls this lamb back from the slaughter. He bathes the Buckeye's neck and face in well-chilled bottled water. A second bottle's offered as the trucker, so discreet, retrieves the first aid kit he keeps beneath the driver's seat. And cut by bloody cut, he gently swabs and cleans and covers till he's doctored every wound inflicted by those roadside muggers. The Buckeye's ruined T-shirt he removes with greatest care, replacing it with one of his kept handy as a spare. Thankful for the water and for bandaging his cuts, the Buckeye tries to see, but both his eyes are swollen shut. He mumbles out a thank you from his dry and damaged lips as the trucker brings him Tylenol, a sandwich, and some chips. I don't know if you're hungry or if you can even eat, but I've got a little something from my lunchbox on the seat. The Buckeye shakes his head and, pointing to his mouth, it hurts. Okay then, said the trucker. Let's get moving, he asserts. He helps his damaged passenger, as awkward as a crab, 
into the waiting semi and seatbelts him in the cab. Then mounting up himself and with his patient safely stowed, the trucker pulls the tractor trailer out onto the road. And mile by prairie mile to the semi's gentle rocking, the Buckeye mostly nodded as the trucker did the talking. A family and fishing as they drove his words unraveled, describing favorite diners and the places that he traveled. He told him of his hometown, a tiny place called Copper Harbor, how he'd left in 99 and now lived just outside Ann Arbor. Till finally they reached the town for which they had set forth, the hospital sat across the river slightly to the north. Then guiding tractor trailer just as skillful as can be, they stopped and parked next to the doorway marked emergency. At the sound of caring nurses wearing uniforms of white, the Buckeye finally feels he's overcome his sorry plight. Into a curtained cubicle they help him on a table. He tries to see his friend with swollen eyes he is unable. Croaking out his gratitude, his thanks at being saved, he feels that gentle caring hand and smells that aftershave. You just rest and men, the trucker's fingers squeeze and flex. I'll stop on my return trip. I'll see you just day after next. As the doctors and the nurses go about their protocols, the trucker nods and smiles and makes his way out to the hall. Stopping at the check-in desk, he greets the nurse attending and asks how long the young man will most likely be in mending. At least a day or two until we know he's out of danger. Do you know how he will pay or who will be the bill arranger? He told the nurse the story, how the boy was caught off guard, then reached into his pocket and pulled out a credit card. Take this, and it will cover him, whatever the amount. I'll be back through here on Thursday, and we'll settle his account. The nurse reached for the credit card with quizzical expression. Do you mind if I inquire? May I put to you a question? I've witnessed acts of kindness, thoughtful deeds for others' sake, but never one like this. Your gesture really takes the cake. He's not your brother, nephew, cousin, or your son or ward, and yet you choose to pay for what you know he can't afford. Who is he to you that you would do him this great favor? The trucker merely smiled and softly said, That boy's my neighbor. Sleeping through the night, the Buckeye wakes to a surprise. The swelling has gone down, and he can open up his eyes. He sees upon his arm a cast. It's throbbing and it itches. He's sporting many bandages and several sets of stitches. Struggling to remember seems his thoughts are vague and fleeting. A highway and a girl, a car, an ambush and a beating. Another memory beckons, something kind that someone gave. A t-shirt some cold water, conversation, aftershave. As he tries to stitch together thoughts of care with thoughts of warning, a nurse enters his room and chirps a much too bright, good morning. Although it hurts to talk, he called her over and inquired, what had happened, how'd he get here, who had helped him, what transpired? She did her best to tell him just the little that she knew, then reached the part about the man who authored his rescue. The trucker, he exclaimed. Yes, I remember him, he quipped, then regretted it at once due to the bandage on his lip. 
That's him, agreed the nurse, and I believe he left a note. Would you like me to retrieve it and then read you what he wrote? The patient nodded yes. She left and soon returned endowed with a piece of paper from which she began to read aloud. Hello, my Buckeye friend. I'll keep this brief, this little letter. I trust by now you're on the mend and you're feeling somewhat better. I'm glad I happened by to help you in your circumstance. I encourage you to do the same, if ever you've the chance. Remember, love thy neighbor. Doesn't matter where they're from. There's nothing that God's love and mercy cannot overcome. I'll see you in a day or two, look in on your progression, and pick up something dear to me I left in your possession. His baffled, puzzled look had caused the reading nurse to pause it. She said, the only things you had were clothes. They're in your closet. She opens up the door, and in that little cupboard hung, a sight that overwhelms him leaves him wondrously undone. A token of God's presence is what brightens up his face. There's more here than a garment. There's the evidence of grace. For reads the borrowed t-shirt, there emblazoned it displays. University of Michigan in Wolverine, dark blue and maize. Well, our tale is now complete. This story said all that it needs. The lesson for our Buckeye is a lesson all can heed. No matter what divides us, love can cut it like a saber. For anyone can stop and care when everyone's a neighbor. So as we journey on our way, and lest we soon forget, the definition of a stranger, they're just a friend you haven't met. The story of the Good Samaritan is one of the most familiar in the entire Bible. But do we really understand the implications of Jesus telling a story with a despised Samaritan as the hero of the tale? For if we don't, we miss much of the impact Jesus intended this parable to have. Jesus told the story as the answer to a question from a Jewish expert on the law. Who is my neighbor? By highlighting the merciful actions of the Samaritan, a people the Jews held in low repute, Jesus was clearly saying, everyone is our neighbor. Christ charges us to love our neighbor, whoever they may be and wherever we find them, even when they wear the other team's colors. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. The Buckeye and the Wolverine was written and narrated by Dana Buck. Devotional Thoughts were narrated by Kim Pratt, and this episode was produced by Beneath Blue Skies Productions. So Powerful Parables is a ministry of So Powerful, a nonprofit organization dedicated to empowering women and girls and combating extreme poverty in the African country of Zambia. To find out more, visit our website at sopowerful.org. Also, check out our books, So Powerful Parables and We Are So Powerful, both available on Amazon. All proceeds from the sale of these books go to support the work of our ministry. And finally, check out our other podcast, The So Powerful Podcast, 
featuring interviews with those who have been touched by this special organization. Until next time, may your life always be filled with beautiful rhymes. <laughs>